welcome to Not Exactly Citizen Kane, the Academy Award discussing podcast. How wrong does the Academy get it? Can there be such a thing as Best Picture? And who are we to challenge their decision? Join us as we jump around history and attempt to decide for ourselves what makes Best Picture from each year's nominations. This week, I'm back with the lovely Mr. Alex Wedlock. Hello, Alex. Hello, Jonah. And um, how are you this week? Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, it's been a weird old one, isn't it? But we're getting through. We're live now. People have, yes, well, yeah. some people have actually listened to to our episode. We now have a title, which we didn't have the last time we recorded. Yeah. Um, it, does it all feel a bit more real to you? Feels a bit more real to me. I've been typing lots of copy. You've been yeah. doing lots of little graphic-y things. And editing. Perhaps we should, without further ado, um, yes. declare joyously that we're not alone today. Yes! Thank heavens. Um, we've actually drafted someone else in. Now, we could very easily sit down and say the person we've brought on, the reason we've brought them on is because they are a filmmaker themselves. They're an avid film fan. They're very much interested in film history. They, this really has their name all over it. But in reality, we wanted one of our mates on. Uh, so if we messed yeah. it up, they wouldn't mind. So um, we've brought one of our mates on. We have um, yes. the wonderful Mr. Cameron Reed. Hello, Cameron. Hello, my colleagues. Hello. Hello. Um, Cameron, you're a filmmaker. Uh, you're uh, yes, an, I, I believe I am. Yeah, you're an avid film fan. Um, you have a massive collection of monks. And you are also one of our mates. Um, yeah. Uh, you, yeah. I, uh, I, I like to think of, of the latter as, as my main accolade. Really. Yeah. That's oh, what it says yeah. on your website. The whole website. filmmaking thing, the whole yeah. doing a film degree, like that, that. Exactly. It's not the main thing on your LinkedIn, is it? That's. Oh, that's... oh no. Like my, the main thing on my LinkedIn is that I once attended uh, a Wedlock's concert with a <laughs> case God. of something. Oh. But I went and it was great. So yeah. Yes. Well, and I thank you for that. <laughs> I think, and I, you received my bribe, right? You, you got the money. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a, a few issues getting it in here. Um, but if we could, you know, wire a little bit more, that'd be lovely. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I will. Yeah. Add it to the fee for doing this. Yes, my absolutely yeah. extortionate fee. Yeah, yeah. I hope you're enjoying your big piles of money that we sent you for this. I, I, I am. Yes, it's it's nice to have some warmth. Um, yeah. In this some somewhat nuclear winter that we're having at the moment. And notes to everyone: if you do decide, uh, if you say yes to us when we ask you to come on our podcast, we might buy you a pint one day, maybe when we're allowed <laughs> to buy pints. Not yeah. at the moment, owing to the yeah. The, yeah. the, 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 the event. But the event. Do not mention the event. Do not mention the event. <laughs> Remain indoors. Oh right. God. We said we weren't <laughs> going to talk about. <laughs> right. Let's go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. Quick. Let's talk about the year <laughs> we've chosen. Yeah, right. yeah. You've brought on a year. Which year have you brought on? I have brought on the films of 2014, which were honoured at the 2015 Academy Awards, the 87th Academy Awards. The ceremony took place on February 22nd, 2015, and it was presented by um, Neil Patrick Harris. Lovely. Why why this year, Cameron? Why have you picked this year? Um, It was an interesting year for me, just in general. I had just come off of 2014 which for myself wasn't the best year i i did my gcses well i say i did them i i somehow well massively screwed them up so you know i I spent a year doing uh, a film gcse an english gcse and a maths gcse and the film gcse was was unheard of like not many six forms in the country did it 
And it was in that year that I really, really got into film. And I, I really sort of realized that this might actually be a thing that I might actually be employable for. So, um, yeah, no, twenty. the films of 2014 have a special place in my heart. So obviously yeah. the, the biggest ceremony in the, in the world honoring them uh, is quite yeah. special for me. Oh, we have a lot to thank them for then. I think. We, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we do, yeah, we, we do anyway. actually. Like, uh, we've got some really good ones. And uh, again, thank you very much for having me um, because it's nice to have some, you know, well, somewhat human contact yeah well this whole this whole weird this whole uh premise was basically designed so we could ch- we could spend more time talking to you i think yeah well, like, we, can, we can reveal now it's all been elaborate it. it's, well, yeah. Yeah, this is the only way we could actually schedule a, a conversation yeah. with cameron because uh, he's such a busy boy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um what, what a lovely reason though that's fantastic yeah um, yeah no it's uh and, hate uh, to hate to get overly emotional but yeah no it's it's a very yeah. like 2015 was kind of the year you know things started to pick up and the, and the films you know have a have a big significance and obviously just in general film culture uh the films were really admired and it was seen overall as, a, as quite a good year so let's go through the nominations for this year uh drum roll uh, please and the nominations are american sniper birdman or the unexpected virtue of ignorance boyhood the grand budapest hotel the imitation game selma the Theory of Everything and Whiplash. Oh, don't so you, you get taken yeah. over by the spirit of the awards, don't you? <laughs> yeah. So um, what we're doing this week is slightly different from what we did last time, is that we've decided we're going to group thematically. I had a look at the list and I noticed that a crazy, to me, half, four yeah. films in this are all biopics of these, right? Um, and so we thought we'd take a chance to talk about the biopic as yeah. a you know kind of an, a, an oscar an baity yeah. genre because it is the, the academy love a biopic um and so we're going to talk about that but with these kind of four films as sort of a framework for our discussion in the next episode we'll talk about the other films and then the whole result overall so this doesn't mean that we're discounting these films these films could very well one of these biopics could be one of our winners who knows yeah a lot of um and and again i i thought it was an interesting year because again we have got quite a few biopics in in this year and um there's certainly a lot of emotion within biopics inherently for example american sniper it's yeah, yeah. Uh, a very compelling story about you know a real person in real circumstances albeit with the star of the a star is born playing yeah. Uh, yeah. a titular character chris kyle well, think, it's interesting that yeah. you mention a star is born because i did notice this is a bit general not just these four films but don't you think this oscars feels a little bit like um uh, a ho- like it's the moment the academy started looking at a whole bunch of people who like in the next couple of years would win really big so you've got Bradley Cooper with A Star Is Born. You've got Damien Chazelle who would go and, you know, make La La Land in a couple of years. You've got all these yeah. people who kind of are about to be huge stars. And then this is sort of their chance. This is kind of their inception in, into the into the world of, of the Oscars. That was 2010, Cam. That was a, that was a totally different year. <laughs> I think with <laughs> biopics, there is um, there's an extra level of jeopardy or, or whatever in that it's what we've discovered recently, I think, with The Crown in like the kind of controversial oh, yeah. fact oh. versus fiction debate that's going on is because you're yes. presenting someone and, pe- and events that really happened, the 
the credibility of you know the or the legitimacy of fictionalizing some of that comes into comes under the microscope quite a bit and i think it'd be interesting to talk about some of these films later on the where you know the the fact versus fiction aspects yeah. because also yes. if you're you're making a film about somebody's memory you've got a few different elements because you, you know obviously you've got you know either the real person or the family to contend with you don't want to you know you've got to have them on side you don't want to create a film that's you know villainizing or or portraying a real person in a in a horrible light um i was just about to throw a spanner in the works oh um stardust yeah the the upcoming oh, of david bowie uh biopic um starring the brilliant johnny flynn i, I absolutely love johnny and, flynn He's yeah a great and musician. mark maron let's not forget yeah and mark maron of course of, of glow which sadly is no more um yeah, yeah. you know i was Thanks, excited Netflix. i was excited at the prospect of uh of a bowie biopic but according to all the people in the world including duncan jones of course famous film director and son of david bowie yeah. uh, the family didn't authorize it and they didn't want it to happen but they made it happen anyway and they you know apparently they they can't use any bowie songs because yeah the the catalog yeah. has not been authorized so poor johnny flynn who's not only having to play this beloved figure in this film that loads of people have decided are interested in he also as a great musician and songwriter has been made to, well asked presumably to write Bowie songs, and I can't imagine anything worse as a that, as an yeah. actor slash musician. I mean, what a horrible pr- amount of pressure that poor guy had. And, and you're right; they should never have made that. When you can't use Bowie's songs, you stop making the film, right? That's it. Yeah. But I yeah, feel like you would all think of that. this kind of hate is going to be maybe who knows it might be amazing but it's unlikely looking at the trailer yeah we'll see cameron yeah. as a filmmaker if you were, if you're making a film about a real person it, obviously i assume it depends on the person but is there a point where you think a story is important enough to be told that it that you can go go ahead without people's permission because i don't yeah it's it's a fine line really i mean i should stress i mean first of all um uh for those people that don't know me and i don't expect you to know me um <laughs> i so i work in and out of the film and tv industry as a as a runner and camera assistant so that's kind of where i'm drawing my experience from uh, yeah. i've worked on features television music videos so i like to think i'm somewhat informed both yeah. on an academic basis and practical basis as to what goes into making these kind of things and to to tell you the truth Jonah it really does depend who you're making it about with somebody like okay. Bowie um it can be i mean we've seen with this it can be quite contentious because when you when you've got a film which is focusing on a particular era of Bowie's life it's focusing on the early 70s where he did his first tour of the United States mm-hmm. and subsequently the the creation of Ziggy Stardust but then again you've you've got um new stories coming out that apparently they can't use the exact likeness of Ziggy Stardust and they can't use Bowie songs. And you've got to ask yourself after a certain point, is this a film about David Bowie or is this an alternative reality that they're trying yeah. to convey? Before we start kind of diving in, should we like explicitly state what four films we're talking yeah. about and do a very quick breakdown? So we have um, American Sniper, which is the story of Chris Kyle, am I right in yeah. saying that? Yes, yeah. who is a uh, sniper from America who yeah. um, went over to Iraq and 
did lots of sniping. The most um, lethal man in American history. Yeah, so the film is based on his biography. And it kind of details his struggle with balancing his home life and his military career. And uh, maybe there's a sense of kind of creeping obsession with that. Um, we should say as well, uh, with this one, we're, we're, with these two episodes we're doing now, we're going to be a little bit more careful with spoilers than we were um when we were talking about all yeah. those silent films in the 20s uh because they're a bit more recent but with the biopics it's history so if you don't want any of these four films spoiled or this or maybe you're reading up on the history of the last however many years and you don't want spoilers um we are going to be kind of talking about stuff without yeah, thinking yeah. about that with the possible exception of american sniper maybe we should sort of keep that a bit more careful because um, we'll flag up because there are things we need to talk about, but we'll yeah. flag up any spoilers yeah. we, we will when we come to them because I think it is a less well-known story, especially over here. I imagine in America he's a bit more of a contentious figure, perhaps someone people know the name of. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, I, anyway, I definitely American heard story. of him before. Oh, had you? Yeah, yeah, yeah but I don't you, know if that was yeah. because of this. It, that might have been. Yeah, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because it was in the ether. This film coming out a couple of years ago. Um, um, so the other films we've yes. got. Um, the Imitation Game, which is yep. um story of Alan Turing, um, the man who, who cracked the Enigma code. Yes, on the yes, wall. yeah, yeah, and pretty much invented the modern computer. So uh, computing had been around. It's about him cracking the Enigma code and the troubles uh, that led from certain things in his personal life. Uh, Turing yeah. was gay, and that wasn't uh, necessarily legal. Uh, in the 60s uh, or the 50s um and uh he comes to, came to a very sad end yeah um because well, of that it's horrific how he was treated it's a yes. film um, that's it's about the it's about the cracking of a a code in the classical sense but it's also i think the title for me obviously that's the title of his work the imitation game but it's about yeah. him trying to crack the code of um operating in you know being a part of yeah that's society. That, that's a very that. good point, and it's also important to point out that um, I mean, the imitation game, obviously, a very compelling performance from from Benedict Cumberbatch and the supporting cast, made up of Keira Knightley and others. But um, yeah. uh, the film drew some criticism because allegedly um, it downplayed Alan Turing's homosexuality. Oh, but right. I, when I did okay. a, when I did a yeah when I did a bit of reading up for the pod, um, you know, people came out and said, well, actually the subtle and, and somewhat realistic approach, because it says here um, on the Wikipedia article I'm looking at right now. Um, only the best sources. Only us. the best sources. Um, <laughs> from the, But the Human Rights Commission honoured it because it was bringing his legacy to a wider audience and it was allowing people to see yeah. the, the, the disgusting behaviour by the state and yeah. what Alan Turing and other um, homosexuals were subjected to. Because ultimately, for those people that don't know, Alan Turing... Um, had to undergo chemical castration yeah. um, because it's... he was. I, th- I think he. I believe he was. He was caught uh, with with another man, and and obviously during that time, uh, being gay wasn't legal until I believe 1969. So this was 1951. Yeah, that's uh, so, so still very much in the so late, it. isn't it? That's. I mean, it, it's ridiculous, isn't it? That idea that you could be, you know, a criminal for living your life as you want it to be. Yes. I mean, it's yeah. just appalling yeah um, 
Yeah. It's a film about, well, it's a, also a film about like secrets. But it's, um, so it's not only is it about, you know, you've got a kind of Cold War espionage side to it. And, you know, we, you've also got, you know, the kind of secret, you know, ha- having to keep, you know, your own sexuality a secret. Selma, which yes. is about Martin Luther King, one particular march to Selma. Uh, from Selma to Selma. There we go. So from Selma, Alabama to Montgomery, Alabama. Um, this film made me realise how little I knew because I knew Selma was a significant place yeah. in Martin Luther King's life and kind of civil rights career. But I had just, I didn't know exactly what. This is dreadful, really. And I just assumed that that was where he was assassinated. So, um, uh, and it's not. He, he no, was assassinated no. many years no. later. So it was, yeah. I, I, I was expecting him to get killed in this and he, he doesn't. Was um, it is 68 he was killed? Yeah. Am I so, correct? Yeah. So th- and this is 65. So this is three years before. Yeah. But I think what that in, uh, illuminates is how important it is to have these figures, especially figures um, of, of important people of color who maybe don't get... Uh, there's a whole lot of stuff in the news at the moment, isn't there, about what is taught in schools and what should be taught in schools and what isn't necessarily being taught in schools and this was a big blind spot for me and so i think it does let you know yeah. how important it is albeit you know as as long as the film is true and um accurate and i think this one is ava duvernay is a bit of a genius um oh yeah so so yeah so so i i think that was a big takeaway for me i was like oh i needed to know this stuff and i did not know it and i'm so glad that i do now because of this fantastically made i thought film um, yeah. But yes, the theory of everything to finish up um, is the last one, yeah. uh, which is about Stephen Hawking, another fantastic figure with um, uh, a very difficult life. It's about his struggle with ALS. It's about um, the the pressure that that put on his family, and it's sort of about him solving science, but not really. No, um, it's it's kind of a deceptive film in that you think you think going in it's going to be a film about this great man who discovered. Well, it starts off um, with him talking about his discovery of Hawking radiation. Well, I, I I'm not again I'm not an authority to talk about Hawking radiation, but I think I, I correct me if I'm wrong. Is it's are, are the, you, why are you here then? It's <laughs> it's radi- isn't it? Is radiation emitted from a black hole, but it's able to as so as a as a black hole collapses in on itself, it breaks a it re- it does release radiation so you can you can prove it, it, it basically what it does is it proves that you can track the you know mm. origins of the universe using yes this. you can yeah. you can yeah. essentially look back at that radiation and and again this is my very limited understanding but you can look back at that radiation and see and track where the origin of that has come from yeah and, and how and how big it is um but but no the the theory of everything is um again we we can get more into it later but it does follow um the early life of Stephen Hawking but also um Jane Wilde Hawking who was yes. Stephen Hawking's first wife and who wrote the book that this was based on right yes yes yeah. and um it sort of follows their initial um they 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 met uh, at Cambridge University uh, she was I think they met at a party of a mutual friend. And um, yeah, it, it looks at their early life, but it also looks at, again, as Alex prefaced, the, the descent of, of, of Hawking into disability um, when he was diagnosed with motor neurone disease. But that's, uh, I think um, that's what this film, it tricks you into thinking it's going to be a big you know, science 
biopic, but actually it's, it's about their relationship and the struggles it must put on a relationship, a disease like this. Absolutely. On his, so on his part, what having a mind that's so expansive and creative, being confined to your own body, you must feel like. And then from Jane's perspective, having someone you know you love so much, having that love tested in quite a significant way. Yeah. But you see, I th- I think that's all true, and it does do that, and it is uh, at times incredibly powerful, and it does make you think how difficult it must have been for her and for him but how much yeah it does it does betray all of that and and at times it does it really nicely but i think it doesn't know what it wants to be about i think okay. it, it kind of i think it wants to be more about their relationship but it's not brave enough to say that it is so it also tries to get on in all this science but it doesn't give the science any time either um i, I mean yeah I didn't, learn anything about the science and maybe maybe i went in wanting to so maybe that's why i was disappointed but i didn't i also didn't really get a feel for their relationship and both of them ended up being not well more him i don't think he was a very sympathetic character in this which i guess you could commend but i don't think it was deliberate i think um Mm. i don't know there was something Maybe we should just dive in. It made me think about something that applies to all of these. And I think it's really interesting. So let's start with this. Because I don't know why I responded so negatively to that one. Because I think it's a better film than I thought it was, to be honest. But it made me feel weird. It's the most, out of them, it's the one that I think is is the most classically Oscar-baity. Yeah, but also it's, it's... it kind of manages to be in- incredibly vanilla and oh, just another biopic, even though it's an incredible story they're telling. But also, it tries to be some. And every now and then, there are all these kind of sequences with really weird yellow color. Yeah, grading the color and, grading is. A, and it it threw me a bit in some of the scenes. Here, I think the one big problem because I think you have two choices when you're making a biopic, and one of these four films made one choice, and the other three basically made another. Yeah. And with the possible exception of American Sniper, actually. Um, you can either tell the story of the man the, or the woman, but the whole life. Yeah. Or you focus in on a little bit. And the theory of everything pretends that it's focusing on a little bit, but it doesn't. It does There's many whole years. And yeah. that makes the whole thing feel bloated and rushed at the same time. Um, I, whereas yeah. films yeah. like The Imitation, well, The Imitation Game manages to do that and cover you you go away knowing about his childhood you go away knowing about the horrible things that happened to him after the war but you it's through this prism it's going okay what are we telling about people in the cinema want to know about the code breaking and the war so we're gonna basically give them that but we're gonna subtly tell them that actually what they need to get from this story is the other stuff so we're gonna give them that but without them realizing that that's what's happening. And I think it's really interesting. I think it's great. It's structured. Basically, you follow. So there's a framing device. Um, with the imitation Rory game. Kinnear. Yeah, this is the imitation game. Sorry, I've gone, I've gone off on one. But here we go. The imitation game, which I really liked. I'd seen before. I remembered not loving it the first time I saw it. But I liked it a lot more the second time. Um, and it starts with him in the, well, the modern day. It was not the modern day in the 50s, post-war. Yeah. Or 60s, even. Uh, yeah, I think it's 1951, 50s, I believe. There uh, we go. The opening sequence, yeah. yeah. And um, 
yeah, so you have that as your framing device, and then that sort of you think it's saying, well, we're going to go back and tell talk about the war, which they do. But really, what they're saying is, how did he get to this point? And then when yeah. we're in the war, the same thing happens, and you go back to his childhood and his first kind of one of his first loves, and. Um, I think that does the same thing the theory of everything is trying to do because they're very similar films if you look at what they're trying to do. I think they're the closest to each other. Um, they're the yeah, two that yeah. sort of blur yeah. the edges for me when I think about them. They're both yeah, trying that's... to be the same type of film. And I think arguably the Imitation Game does a slightly better job of this type of film. Yeah, I, I agree with Alex in the sense that it did glaze over the science. Like, the science was there. Of course, the science is fundamental, because otherwise we wouldn't know who Stephen Hawking was without it. So it's there to establish a hook. Here's Stephen Hawking, famous physicist, an absolute genius, being struck by this horrific disability. And that is our inciting event. That is our conflict within the narrative. But I think also it's important to realise that, you know, yes, the science is glazed over with emotion but that emotion is delivered incredibly well i think mm. you know very very much so through eddie redmayne's performance but i think um felicity jones particularly yes um, yeah. as jane she gives off i think the most compelling performance of the year i know that might be a little really? bit controversial looking well i wow. think one of I... them let me amend that statement yeah, one no, of that, them, no, because because i think it's it's important to realize that yes it's not going to be perfect to everyone but at the end of the day and this is the unfortunately the sort of cynical side of filmmaking you do have to market it to a wider audience and this film i believe it had the backing of people like tim bevan and eric fellner who are behind studio canal so yeah. there's a great deal of machinery that goes into marketing the film and i think from what i remember the film was marketed as a love story that was how it was marketed to okay. the public yeah. it wasn't marketed mm if you want to look at theoretical physics and yeah. Stephen Hawking, you know, writing this amazing book about time, watch this film. It was very much marketed on that emotional bond between Jane and between Stephen, uh, which I think is conveyed really, really well. But then again, yeah. when you look at films like Selma, looking at arguably a much more important uh, group of people uh, and some, I mean, I, I look at the the pain that Stephen Hawking was going through in the theory of everything but i'm afraid you know sometimes that pales in comparison to the you know people being beaten on the bridge in in yeah. selma for That's example it's more visceral if anything but i think it, it, if we're talking about in terms of filmmaking that's the that's what you want you want that kind of wince you, you know you want to have your audience skin crawl a bit when stuff like that you, is happening you do. and i think that um one thing that eddie redmayne did incredibly well is the nuances of of hawking and his personality mm. but also the physical kind of difficulties that he was going through yeah. and the emotional ones too um he did incredibly well because if you deliver i mean we've all heard this before if you deliver too much on a performance in terms of emotion in terms of exaggeration it can ruin the performance so yeah. really having a performance that is nuanced enough to where you're hooked in um, is really important. And I think that that um, Eddie Redmayne particularly did that very, very well. And, um, you know, he's known for really getting into the characters and wanting to research quite a bit. You know, for example, from yeah. The Danish Girl, he researched into um, that aspect of life and the same with this with, with ALS. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's yeah. definitely a, a sort of immersive performance and it is it is 
fantastic what he does with his body to to portray the that horrible disease is, yeah. is great but also it you never see hawking in this film as a person with a disability first you see him as yeah this, i think that's quite great a scientist yes, yes absolutely uh, that we meet at the beginning and that's really it, he's a he's a brilliantly intelligent man first and like you're saying that's how the film portrays him you meet him first well, no, I think that's how Eddie Redmayne portrays him. Well, yeah. I don't yeah. actually think that's how the film portrays him. Okay. I think the film sees him as a man with a disability and that was uh, and and sees him as a scientist second and they kind of have to mention the science, but really they want to see this incredible uh, actor give this kind of performance of... So, and that's what didn't sit well with yeah. me. I think I'm, I'm not necessarily saying I'm correct in saying that and I'm certain that that's not the, uh, the intention of the filmmaker, but yeah. that's what it... That's well, what it seemed like to me, and that really annoyed me. And I, think, I didn't actually yeah. love Felicity Jones in it. I found her performance it almost the inverse. I thought the character was written better than Hawking was in the film, but I thought her performance made her less sympathetic. And even though the situation you're seeing is incredibly powerful and, and upsetting and difficult, despite all of that, that the, the situation and the script was telling me, you, you should need to feel for this woman. I found yeah. Felicity Jones's performance took me out of that and I actually found it quite irritating. I found her okay. quite hmm. annoying, which isn't right. really what you want. <laughs> Again, that might be me. That might be one of my hang-ups. Um, I wouldn't say she was one of the best performances of, of the year, but but I'm not saying you're wrong, Cam. No, no, um, it's, it's, all, it's all a matter of perspective and I think the important thing to point out with any sort of discussion when it's when it's talking about different people and different performances is that we all get something different from watching a film and um, yeah, yeah. You know, not to bore you with the film psychology behind it but um it's you know we all get something you know whether it's because of our personal experience or our personal preferences or our personal kind of opinions um we're, you know it's important to to have conflict in discussion because otherwise everyone will just go oh they're, they're amazing it's wonderful yeah. it's brilliant you know i like when people can actually disagree and 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 hash that out so no don't yeah. apologize at all i think that there are elements of her performance that i do look at it and go in in sort of reflection after watching it again a couple of days ago where i sort of go yeah that that seems slightly that's that you're pushing out of the out of the archetype in a way because she is sort of i suppose the stereotype you could attribute with this is that it is a it's a it's a woman supporting a, a male main character but i think the flip side of it is is that actually you know J jane wilde jane hawking herself you know very um clever person and somebody who i believe did a phd in in medieval poetry i might be wrong um but you know somebody who you know deserves a lot of admiration um mm. but yes i agree that there are elements i think i think there are elements of every performance if you watch them over and over again where you could say no, yeah that doesn't sit right with me well, but I, I think, think that's sort of, sort of what I'm saying. I think I think she was an incredible person, as you say, but I don't think the film gives her that. I think that was one of my problems. Well, I, I, right. again, I, I, I think um, it does put her in. It's like it's difficult to say, isn't it? But I also think, am I right in saying? And I should have looked this up <laughs> properly, but I remember hearing that the real person, the real Jane, did not had some problems with the film yeah and i can't remember what they were um let me see if i can find out well that takes i mean yeah. that does come back to the you know the idea of yeah if you're making a film about real people how can because obviously it portray there there are some parts of the film that are difficult i think do you, you do empathize with 
them. So like, but I don't, you know, her feeling trapped. I think it's not a nice thing to depict, but it must, you know, it's a reality. That's where the film is uh, for me. And again, you know, we're talking about, you know, personal opinion. That's a whole, you know, the whole reason that, you know, best picture as a concept doesn't really work is because, you know, it's, you, you respond to art personally. Yeah, it's but the I think, academy deciding. Exactly. Yeah. But but it, I think where it did work for me is some is is the portrayal of those difficult bits because you do some you don't I don't feel any negative emotions to anyone in this film. I don't think there's any there's no bad guy in this film. No one is presented in that way. It's just circumstance. I think what you were saying earlier, Alex. I think that this film where, where this film does begin to feel a bit strange to me is is it, it's wooden leg acting in terms of it's it, i think this is a symptom of the biopic or the you know the it's kind of getting a good actor and giving them a physical disability to portray yeah i think that that's that's kind of that that's a kind of cliche i think I i'm trying to think of other examples but it is it's one of those things that people joke about um well the big example uh, the big the, the oh, yeah. performance that really uh, swept the boards with the uh, Oscars when it came out was My Left Foot. Yes. Um, and, yes. Uh, oh, Mr. 103 Oscars. What's he called? Daniel Day-Lewis. Da- yeah. Um, Danny. That's a sort of a film I haven't seen, but I'm sure we will get to. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, a, a film that does that. That's kind of the big, the one where people went, oh, wow, he's done this incredible transformative performance. and uh, Yeah. But there's yeah. the argument w- across the board with the transformative performance aspect of if you're yeah, and you I don't I think for this film you you have to have because they're, obviously they're portraying him before and after and I think he does do a good enough job of portraying someone with an illness but you, you know there's always the argument when you're getting a an able-bodied performer to do anything mm. is that is it uh, and again this is you know this is I think this is a Venn diagram with the biopic is it you know, getting an actor to put on something that uh, if, uh, you know, obviously this you know, specific illness, uh, you know, might would definitely affect your ability as an actor. But I'm pretty certain that, you know, there'll be people who are maybe not as yeah. afflicted well, as Hawking was, but who could, def- who could definitely give that performance. And that's a criticism that was leveled at Redmayne subsequently as well, wasn't it? For yeah. The Danish yes. girl. Well, the Danish people- girl, I think, is, is much I think with it, with this film particularly, I think because you're betraying him throughout his life, I think it's easier. And that bit at the end where he stands up to pick up the pencil, I yeah, thought was yeah, quite yeah. moving. And you and you do need, but I but with the da- yeah, I think the Danish girl is is a different kettle of fish oh, yeah. because I'm not I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not equating uh, tra- transgender people yeah. with a disability. I, I I'm just saying that some people when that film came out thought it was a little bit dodgy that this uh male was playing this part and that maybe it should have gone to a a trans actor yeah well because the Um, argument is that i know very little men dressing up as women and it the idea is you can take that off at the end of the film is a counterintuitive idea but i but i'm only mentioning that because i think it is worth mentioning but i don't again i've got the authority to to you know really pass comment on it but i don't think this film I think this film manages to do that well, as as well as it's possible to do. Yes. Yeah, I think, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd agree with you there. 
Yeah. Um, in fact, <laughs> weirdly, we're spending way too much time on this one. We yeah. need to move on. But uh, yeah. it's very interesting to me that uh, both Eddie Redmayne and Benedict Cumberbatch were up the same year for Oscars because, of course, Benedict Cumberbatch played Hawking yes. in a made-for-TV film called Hawking uh, a few years earlier, which I've seen about half of and loved the half that I watched. <laughs> I need to watch yeah. the rest of it. Um, but that, for me worked a lot better but that part of part of me watching the theory of everything and this is some the baggage i brought to it was going ah, it's not the benedict cumberbatch one yeah and that and i i hold my hands up and say that that was a problem that i brought to it and not necessarily one that the film had that, that's interesting I, that's very interesting because and this is the trouble when you have somebody who is well known you can have previous works whether it's in television or film where someone has already kind of embodied that character and inherently in your mind, you know, almost subconsciously, you think, mm, I, oh, this isn't as good as, as when Benedict Cumberbatch did it. And um, no, I, I agree. I've seen Hawking and um, I really enjoyed it. And um, in comparison with the theory of, I think in terms of production values, it's it's quite hard to compare a television film well, yeah, and a, and yeah, a yeah. major feature film. However, no, I absolutely agree that it's... Um, that Benedict Cumberbatch's performance in that w was great. And, um, you know, now that you say that, Alex, I, I do miss him in this film. I think he yeah. would have played Hawking incredibly well again, but on a but to a wider he, audience. Then again, I'm, I'm grateful that he played Alan Turing because yeah, yeah, in, in the process but, of watching The Imitation Game, I learned a hell of a lot more uh, about Alan Turing and about issues surrounding um, LGBT rights and, and of course, uh, the, the Enigma Code too. That just segues nicely into talking into the imitation game. Because I think, yeah. are we, so are we, do we kind of generally, uh, and feel free to chime in at this point if you disagree, that they're, that in terms of the type of biopic, this is a very, a slightly more successful version. Yeah, That's quite a bold statement to just throw out there. No, I completely agree with you. Completely. Um, but this is a really interesting one. Do yeah. you remember, Jonah, um, I remember this film was a weird one because it came out and I was like, Turing was a big part of my life for that year and yours as well, presumably. Yes. We both studied drama A-level at the same time at the same place. And um, our first term was all about a play about Turing that we had gone to see. And yeah. then The Imitation Game came after that. And I remember sitting in the cinema thinking, oh, it's not because I had been kind of putting so much of this guy into my brain and, and kind of been studying it that it didn't press the right buttons for me when I actually saw it in the cinema because it was very different to the play we had seen and also all of the stuff we had learned. But coming in cold this time, I enjoyed it much more. Yeah. Can you remember the name of that play? Because I've been trying to I wish I find could. it for quite a while. It's very, it's, it's again, it's about Enigma and it is, it's quite immersive it was a it was a, i think the key to remembering the name would be to remember the name of the theater company yes which i've also oh, forgotten yeah i can't remember that either um, it, was, <laughs> it was it was great six um, years ago no i yeah i'd forgotten how much i did in i think this is a good film um but for some it's it's a weird one because every every time i look at it i think i enjoy all the bits of it but for some reason it doesn't ever fully jump at me but it's like the premise it's so it's a cold war conspiracy film as and then a world war ii film within that and then a biopic as well it's kind of a layered piece 
And I think that, that you were talking about the framing device earlier. So uh, Alan Turing's house is broken into and this police detective is trying to figure out, well, who is this? Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Because you know, obviously I don't think it touches on as much, actually, is that the people who worked at Bletchley Park during the war were never allowed to talk about what they did to the point where, like, you know, people who worked on Enigma were, um, you know, branded as cowards by people because they you know they hadn't they they looked like they'd got away with dodging the draft or whatever yeah hmm. so and, they um, weren't yeah yeah no and i think it's um no that's a, that's a good point jonah because i think the bletchley park is is obviously quite a massive part of, of, of turing's life and he was sent there um uh to join the um uh cryptograph uh cryptography yeah cryptography 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 um so yeah alan turing was sent to bletchley park to um join the cryptography team Hmm. and uh was there to sort of try and analyze um the kind of enigma device uh which uh we should sort of say that the nazis used in order to send coded messages to each other across the lines but also across the various uh, territories that they had um invaded and really turing was was there as kind of this dominant figure you know allegedly he was quite difficult to work with and i think that you know one of the things that comes through in benedict cumberbatch's performance is that he does come across as this very straight talking brash character and somebody yeah. who is incredibly focused on their work and, and their work embodies them you know they talk almost as if they're reading from an academic essay i mean the initial sequence that we have where um our good friend uh well i wish he was a good friend uh rory kinnear um oh, of course, good old um, rory we're very, chatting to him later yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so you know we, we meet uh rory kinnear um as this police detective um who comes by the house as as turing is sort of there with um did he have some some cyanide or something that he was putting into a vial and he was he was sort of trying to he was sort of trying to to be polite, but then he sort of looks up at this detective who sort of looks a bit <laughs> blank faced, and he goes, "Oh, you're not what I was expecting." Um, yeah. So certainly, Turing, very brilliant mathematician, and and I've met academics like this. They are very talented in their intelligence, but in terms of their emotional intelligence, they're yes, very yeah. limited. Um, and you know that that you you could say that stems to people who are also on the autism spectrum because they're incredibly passionate about what they like doing themselves in their work. However, um, they they are not very good with people. Um, again, I'm not aware if Turing was on the spectrum. However, if someone did say to me, "Oh, he was," um, judging by yeah. the, this performance and the past performances of him and the writings of him, I, I'd be not very surprised. And um, Yes, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch does a great job of being very, very clever, somewhat um, emotionally stunted people, as we have seen in things like uh, Sherlock. Yeah, I think that's, for me, I think the, because I think Cumberbatch is definitely one of the best actors we have around at the moment. The problem happens when I think he, because he he does disappear into this performance, he does fully become this character but i think the problem is that then we try and follow him in because we're yeah. we're really interested in benedict cumberbatch so he's trying to he's trying to you know he's trying to give a great performance and we're kind of like no but you'll be the sexy sherlock guy again well this is the thing isn't it because um i think if you look at cumberbatch's pre-sherlock roles and this sort of fits into that um to a lesser extent but what he was really good at playing was sort of dorky losers i'm not yeah. saying that and Turing was a dorky loser but that was what 
Benedict Cumberbatch wasn't a sex symbol. <laughs> he no. was this kind of weird guy kind of playing sort of... And the, that's why Sherlock works, because you're taking this hero and turning him into this weird kind of dorky loser. But yeah. what people took from that was, oh, he looks great in that coat. Yeah. It's great in that with that hair. And so we have all of these performances now. Cumberbatch is kind of trapped into being this heroic sex guy. Yeah. Or, or, or this yeah. kind of heroic, this um, kind of villainous, ugh, kind of seedy, nasty, sexy villain. And Although you'd struggle me, with Dominic Cummings, I think. Well, yeah, not Dominic. Okay, Dominic Cummings again, <laughs> dorky loser. Um, although <laughs> yeah. watching that, of course, when we all watched that uh, Dominic Cummings film that Benedict Cumberbatch was in, we didn't know who Dominic Cummings was no. or what he sounded like. No. And having now seen him talk in the garden in Downing Street, Cumberbatch is putting that Geordie accent yeah. on way too thick. I oh, mean, it's yes. absolutely yes. crazy. And I read articles about him. Yeah, I, I went and chatted to Dominic Cummings actually for a while. And I really tried to get his voice. Well, he, he, I mean, he's not that. Anyway, it's fine. Yeah, um, he, 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 goes, he goes full on, like, especially when he's getting quite impassioned. In, and, and the film we're talking about is, is Brexit and Uncivil War, mm. which was a of course, uh, yeah. very uh, interesting co-production between, I think it was HBO and Channel 4. And um, it looks at the kind of... Marriage made in heaven, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was... It, was um, it, it looked at kind of the, the life of Dominic Cummings as this figure within the Leave campaign um, in the referendum that happened a couple of years ago. And uh, yeah, no, Cumberbatch did overstate that um that that the that Geordie accent quite a lot um, not to yeah. say that he's not great in that film but oh, yeah. oh like, he's fantastic he, he in that is. film but yeah when well, you, when you awesome. look at when you look at him and of course now that we have actually seen um Cummings in in the flesh if you can yeah. call him that um, <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's uh you know in you kind of think oh this yeah, isn't as yeah. impressive as Benedict Cumberbatch I think what the imitation game does and I've what I mentioned before I think why it works better for me is because it has a really strong structure I don't know if you if what your fellas takes on that is yeah I think it totally works and I think it's um I mean I we started cheering as we said but I'd forgotten all of that and um you come away learning so much about him if you don't know cheering as a historical figure before watching that film you get so much out of watching that film in a way i'm mm. not sure you do in the theory of everything because the structure to a certain extent is so kind of sprawling and weird um, yeah yeah i think but, i knew the machine was called christopher but didn't know it was named after a person yes, yes. it was named after his uh a, it was a, a love interest of his wasn't it mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um yeah i would like to play a little game about these biopics these oh, yeah. four films um two of them made me cry oh and two of them didn't yeah um and i would like you to guess which ones made me cry and which didn't are we playing cry or dry eye cry or dry eye yes cry or dry. I, I may have given it away by all of my shouting but i can still <laughs> cry at a film i don't like maybe i cry well, for different reasons yeah it's so been <laughs> are we are we specifically saying you cried crying anger or crying yeah <laughs> yeah I, I cried i'm not going to tell you what kind of tears they were but so we've got to guess which films made and I, you cry. And I cry at everything, right? Yeah. So um, the fact that some of these films didn't make me cry is perhaps uh, yeah. a, negative, a thing that tells you mm. about how they work. Um, I reckon you cried at Imitation Game and Selma. You're absolutely right. I yes. was going to say exactly the same. Yeah. 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 Um, both, and it was both of them. It was when the text came up at the end saying what happened yeah. to other people. That absolutely did me in. On, on both yeah. of them. I, the, I, uh, 
It's I weird because that's yeah, is gorgeous, isn't it? Selma oh, is lovely. Such a great yes. film. And here's it, uh, it's interesting that you're talking about Bowie and the lack of mm. Bowie songs because when they were making Selma, they didn't have the rights to Martin Luther King's speeches. So oh. the speeches he he speaks yeah, yeah. weren't in the script, but Ava DuVernay went away and wrote new Martin Luther King speeches. Wow. But she studied his that. pattern of speech. She studied his speeches and tried to kind of ape the way he talks. And I think she does an incredible yeah, job. And at that, no I, point I, in the film do you go, that's not Martin Luther King. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. And twinned with David Oyelowo's fantastic it performance. I think it's uncanny. outrageous it that he was not nominated yes. for Best Actor. Mm. It's inc- it's awful that he wasn't nominated. I think there's one reason for that, and that is the colour of his skin. And I think yeah. that's a terrible thing that the academy needs to get the fuck over yeah um, and that might not be that might not be the case um it, it is a strong year acting wise but and actually looking at the i would say david oyelowo over bradley cooper maybe the acting yeah. nom- the best actor nominations are eddie redmayne for the imitation uh, for theory of everything yeah. benedict cumberbatch for the imitation game steve carell for foxcatcher which i've not seen bradley cooper for american sniper and michael keaton for birdman or um the unexpected virtue of ignorance. Uh, I think definitely. I think hands down, it's a. I mean, I. And I, I do think, think Bradley Cooper was should a, have won. Was a re- yeah. No, he. Um, I think there's like in terms of the direction. There's nothing that kind of kind of tries to draw your attention away from the story. Really, it's really restrained filmmaking, but it's effective. It doesn't try, and it's the same with his performance. It doesn't try to. There's no kind of baitiness in it it, it, it yeah. really he, he and talking about you know actors disappearing into their roles you f- you forget that he's not martin oh, luther king he he doesn't look like david Oyelowo in it either. no like at all it, it's um he looks like martin luther, luther king and yeah well he and even if he doesn't look like him he he feels like him and yeah. um yeah it's it's a an amazing performance and it just you cannot take your eyes off him but not because he's going look at me look at me look at me yeah just because he's it's electric and he has that charisma that king had as well and that's yes not an easy thing to have and that's not an easy thing to fake to act either no you you, i I think you you have to have some of that yeah charisma I mean, um, you can be given the speech, even if he's doing, you know, obviously ha- having to, you know, having to write a Martin Luther King speech is probably akin to having to, you know, trying to write, you know, try well, yeah, write a yeah. Bowie song. But even with that material, I think you, you've got to, you've got to have some of it in you. But it's also important to say that the reason they couldn't get the rights to Martin Luther King's speeches isn't because they were refused them. I'm pretty oh, okay. sure I might be wrong. But I'm pretty sure another film had them. Like that, I think there was maybe a Steven Spielberg biopic in the works that never happened, and they'd optioned the rights, uh, and so they were with another studio or something like that. It's kind right. of um, it wasn't that the King Estate said you can't have the speeches, yeah, um, which makes it a lot of a, a better situation and an easier situation to go. Oh, what a great job, Ava DuVernay, yeah. did, than Johnny Flynn will be facing when he writes all these Bowie songs. Um, and also it. Martin Luther King's speeches are I love Bowie but they're probably maybe a little bit more um, uh, societally important than some of Bowie's songs that, yeah. that's quite a difficult thing for me to say I think certainly in, in terms of wider wider society that the works of Martin Luther King yeah. are much more important than you know the the, the brilliant works of, of David Bowie yeah yeah. that's not to say <laughs> Bowie didn't write incredible songs yeah. oh he did um, I'm going to have my Bowie <laughs> fandom taken away from me um 
I have to burn my my copy of uh, Don't Don't Let Me Down. Um, but I think I actually I I think if I'd if we'd had you know Never clip- Let Me Down. Sorry, I got the name wrong. Come oh, you can have right, it. Carry on. We can, we'll <laughs> hear them burst into your room to- and take away your. <laughs> the cult Fuck. police will come in and yeah. Yeah. But I think if we'd had, you know, iconic speech moments, it probably would have taken me out, I think. But but they are iconic. I mean, mm. I, I think it's so clever that this film starts post uh, I Have a Dream. Yeah. Because like a lesser biopic, that would be what the film would be working to. Yeah. You? you can imagine that. I know it's, it's uh, I mean, it's the time doesn't work. It's talking about a different part of his life. But I think it's so important that the part of his life it's talking to, talking about is... A, a very important bit, but not one that's maybe as. I mean, I have a dream is so kind of part of culture. It's just yeah. an expression well, that everybody kind of knows, and it's in a mis- way that the Selma March yeah. isn't as much. It's misused quite a bit as well. People drop that speech or those quotes around all the time, and to the point where possibly it's kind of lost some of its power just because it's it's oh it's it's used by the by people to try and you know because that's the the argument that people have in america is they they point to martin luther king and say that's when we ended um yeah that's when we ended racism in america and then the the other group of people turn around and point and say no you shot him or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, he got, you, yeah. You, you assassinated him for for taking on the very thing that you're standing up for and here we are sadly in 2020 with the problems of racism yeah still occurring and racism in general still occurring and, yeah. and certainly you know and, and it's worth highlighting that you know Selma was was made back in 2014 and, and was celebrated in 2015 but you know five years on we we are still you know making painfully slow progress in in tackling racism you know both here in Europe and, and in the United States and um, no I, th- I think the the good thing about Selma is that it did not focus on Martin Luther King as the personality. It focused on him as an individual, but it also gave it gave note to people, you know, within his life who supported him. So you yeah. know, the, the the important thing to point out is, um, you know, his his wife Coretta, who was, um, you know, she's a huge advocate for African American equality and somebody who was seen as a, as a real figure within the civil rights fight and this and is, um, you know, somebody who sadly passed away, but is still celebrated to this day and um people like uh representative john lewis who was an american politician yeah. who yeah uh, i thought was was played incredibly well by stephen james in this yeah and you know because there is there are some very and i i use the word iconic very tentatively there are some very let's say engaging pictures from from the time where the national guard i believe were brought in and and you know beat people like john lewis senseless and there's this image yeah. these images of john lewis in his in his white in his white cream jacket running across the bridge um to get away and uh countless other people um so now i think that that selma was and, and this is a testament again i think to the to the brilliant work of, of ava duvernay who is somebody who i hugely admire and um you know yeah, someone who i think will go on to do even more great things she did a fantastic um documentary um mm. a couple mm. of years later in 2016 called 13th which was released on netflix yes. and netflix this yeah. year put it on youtube in full didn't didn't they so you can they, they did anyone they can did go and i think and it's um you know and it uh 
it, it oh, received much more of an audience as a result of that. So so good on Netflix for doing that. Yeah. And um, if you look at both these films in terms of the moment and time they're at, talking about this at the end of 2020, we can yeah. it, we we can sit here as you know three white men and be like, oh, it's and it's so resonant to today because of what's going on. Yeah. But that's only because it's it's something that it's come to our doors and kind of it's you know this this movement has kind of risen to it to become more visual for us but if yeah. you look at you, you go back to i think it's 19 is it 1964 or 65 this when this is depicting it's the same it's around the time that vietnam as like a first kind of televised war the first time people around the world are seeing things that we wouldn't normally see and it's i think it's a similar thing going on at this time in Montgomery is that it's the first time a lot of this stuff is being broadcast. So stuff yeah. that's happening, been happening to people in their lives for, you know, for hundreds and hundreds of years is now being shown to people around the world. In fact, it, yeah. the, you know, the reason it feels like that's a moment in history is because it's, the, it's, it's allowing people to, you know, look in on what's, ha- you know, what's happening. And, yeah. and these are, yeah and i think it's one particular aspect of this that i really latched onto was the fact that yes at this time black americans could legally vote yeah however they were being kept off of the vote the voting mm. rolls and this is something that i i only learned through this film so thank you um ava yeah. duvernay again yeah. for doing that and paul webb for writing it um that if you are not registered to vote you cannot serve on a jury yeah which means all the juries in Alabama, for example, were white. Yeah. And there was, uh, we, we start this film with an incredibly horrific event where yeah. um, four black schoolgirls uh, were bombed in a yeah. church in Birmingham, Alabama. And by the, by the uh, by KKK Klan. Klan. Yeah. spoilers, yeah. But it's, uh, it's a very it's, real event that I think. And it's very. Uh it's really difficult to watch in a, in a way that it needs to be. And it's, it's unflinching that portrayal yeah. of that, of, you know, of a horrific event. And, yeah. it, so, and you don't yeah. expect it, not knowing the history, you, you, it completely it makes you jump. I yeah. think that, and, when and, that bomb goes off, it, it ties their speeches together at the beginning. It opens with Martin Luther King talking and then the girls just having a conversation. Yeah. Oh, that opening with, with him doing his tie and he says, yeah, it's not quite right. It's not quite right. It's not right. This isn't right. It's just amazing. There's something about starting on this iconic figure, but in such a small moment situation, yeah. small moment. It's very powerful. I think this um, film is made yeah. up of little moments. It's never. It's it's the it, th- those are what jumped out at me. There's the moments when they're sat in the pl- in the prison cell together. Yeah, or, or around the dinner table. And yeah, happy time when they arrive. It's it's a film that's almost more about community than mm. about anything it's about saying well it's not it's not this it's not just a political movement it's these th- these people have lives and friends and and they love each other and they're yeah. trying to protect that and why wouldn't you want to protect that and why wouldn't you want to help them protect that yeah, yeah the, the the bureaucracy behind i mean lbj was uh, you know again somebody who uh, he ended segregation like nationwide i believe is is the is the, yes one yeah of the key things that he did when he was president obviously he came in as president under completely horrific circumstances yeah, with yeah. the assassination of jfk yeah. um in 1963 but um no we uh initially in the film um we see a meeting between martin luther king and um 
LBJ and I believe Lyndon Johnson's uh, chief of staff, I think, played by Giovanni yes. Ribsy. I might be wrong. Yes, Phoebe's um, younger brother, as I was. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, it's, oh, my word. Yes. Wow, I didn't recognise uh, him. So, yeah, we, we, see, um, we see that meeting and, you know, LBJ says something, and I'm paraphrasing here, he says, well, you know, we've got to, we have to uh, do this before we have to do that, basically saying that they have to make sure segregation is ended completely before they let, before they work on getting black people onto the voting rolls. To which, I mean, I don't understand that logic, but I suppose somebody from Washington trying to push through legislation through the, the House and the Senate might well say, well, actually, that that is what they had to do. And ultimately, that is what they had to do. Um, yeah. Well, I say had to do. They they could have just, you know, seen the light and just put it forward. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. the problem it seems to be, and this is this is a political problem, not a problem with the film, which is probably where we're, I think we're, we're, we're straying away from our, our uh, objective. <laughs> but yes. it seems that, the, particularly in America, that the idea of having to try and appease these vocal racist population, especially at the time, yeah, is is what get is what is getting in the way because yeah. I, I you get you do get from Tom Wilkinson's performance. I don't know if this is accurate or not that LBJ is you know he's not against this. He's not, it, it, but it's more it's it's a kind of appeasement thing that he's not allowing this to get through and. Some of the violence in this film is horrific and, and it absolutely should be because this violence happened to real people and it was yeah. horrific and it is horrific now when it happens and it still happens. Um, well, yeah, and the, the, the sad reality was is that um, a lot of Democrats in those days uh, would have opposed well, legis- yeah, of course. You know, a Again, federal Tim intervention such as bringing black people onto the voting rolls. It, it was a very sad reality, but we've seen with, with people like George Wallace... Um, being a democratic governor a lot of people especially in alabama and the, and the southern belt of the united states were opposed to um civil rights and they were opposed to uh, the desegregation of the school system of just the federal system in general um and and to and to think that that was well we're coming up to 60 years ago that that it almost ended um and and subsequently ended it, yeah it's it's just a very sad reality and i think again it's a testament to this film that it conveys that with such respect you know and, and such an informed perspective because i think the the thing that films like this can risk doing especially when they have a white director is that they can appropriate stories such as those of martin luther king and other mm. you know figures within civil rights look at green book uh, yeah mm. um, green book that's a whole other conversation but no i think that <laughs> is a big example of um because the thing with green book is that for those of you that haven't seen it is that it caused quite a stir because it was appropriating a a story of sort of um i I can't remember the term but it's something like white saviors or something like that where you have a white writer a white director and a white sort of main star is that the same with the help as well that i remember that yeah yeah, that's one that people point to quite a bit and driving miss daisy to to, to, a certain extent as well good example but um, no, I think it, the the way that it conveyed the political realities of the time was very accurate. And again, you know, Tom Wilkinson gives a very compelling and engaging performance as um, LBJ. Well, I was going to say, I was. I think what you said earlier, Alex, about real people is it, that I think that phrase sums up quite nicely this film because even yeah, the, yeah, yeah, you know, we, we're talking about is a great portrayal of Martin Luther King, but he's not 
portrayed as flawless in this film. Yeah, no, not at all. It's, you know, he's, it does, you know, references. He's unfaithful, isn't he? Yeah. To his wife. And it's, it doesn't portray him as this iconic legendary figure. He's portrayed as a man and all the people around him are portrayed, you know, it's, but, that is, but that's the point of the film is it's just portraying these regular people. The casting in this film is, is absolutely yeah. incredible. Lakeith, Sta- Lakeith, Lakeith Stanfield, Stanfield as well is who great. is really is um, he, in everything I mean, now. Yeah, he is. Um, he's he's it's, a it's, stamp of quality, I think. When he's yeah, in something, it's tough. It's tough. The stuff with his character is, is yeah. again unflinching. That word I'm I'm using almost as much yeah. as Cameron is. Is using it Jimmy Lee compelling. Jackson? He's playing in it. His yeah. So is a young man who's he's killed by by the police. Yeah, and it's just and there's something about. Well, Lakeith Stanfield's performances always have this sort of electric quality to them, mm. don't they? He's a very vibrant actor. And that vibrancy makes it even more powerful than it would be with anyone playing yeah. that role when when it ends so horribly and so violently that kind of well they it's it's this sort of again, this insidious kind of moving of laws so that they can just go and attack these guys at night. Oh. Um and it be legal and you know uh, yeah uh, it's it's a powerful film it's unflinching and that makes it uh, at points a, a difficult watch but in the in the right way and it's a it's an important film and i think mm. of the four it's probably my favorite of yeah. these i would have to um, agree and there. i think yeah it's terrible that david oyelowo wasn't nominated for best actor it's terrible that ava duvernay wasn't nominated for best director should we go from from quite a, a tough watching places to a, a biopic that's a lot sunnier <laughs> uh, and a lot of it's a it's a joyous ride isn't it it's a laugh a minute <laughs> balls out comedy uh directed by um clint eastwood who is as we know a very funny man yeah. oh, um yes. the comedian and, and it's, it's actually a spin-off to the hangover films um yeah oh. and dominic cooper plays his that same character um his life takes a slightly dark turn and he joins the army no i'm joking um american sniper uh, yeah uh yeah jonah you you talked about to me yesterday you said Mm. that you enjoyed this film a lot more than you expected yeah well i say enjoy is maybe (laughs) a word (laughs) because i was engaged more by this film than i was expecting to be um i don't know I i i think my kind of um before going into it and watching it i had it in my head that it's this kind of team america kind of you know yeah it's uh, incredibly masculine and testosterone yeah. fueled isn't it and that kind like, of like like the three yeah. of us in many ways exactly well exactly i mean oh, that type of oh, film yes. i think are, really the pinnacle of masculinity <laughs> yeah 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 i know I, I was expecting to be kind of alienated by the uh, by the kind of macho-ness of this film i think that's why i probably that's probably what my head was like going into it. Um, but but I, I did find it engaging and I did really enjoy it. Um, yeah. Even though it is not an easy watch in places. It, it, this film has a really interesting development history, actually. Cam, I'm sure you know this. Um, Journey, yes. you might not. Uh, mm, so yes, Clint Eastwood wasn't always the director for this. So they optioned the rights for his book. Yeah. Um crucially okay so this is this is the moment we're going to spoil american sniper and if you don't know this i mean it's fine knowing it going in and it might even prepare you but uh jonah and i found this out halfway through 
and it slightly upset us because it's, it's but anyway so if you don't want american sniper spoiled pause this or skip forward go away and listen, watch the film or, or or just you know whatever but i'm gonna about to spoil it <clears throat> i mean it's mm-hmm. real life but chris yeah. kyle was uh killed yeah in 2013 um they didn't get the rights in 2013. They got them earlier than that. He was killed yeah, in 2013 yeah. after the film had been in development, uh, which is why that coda feels a bit strange because it's, well, it's a horrible thing to happen to anyone, but also, and it's an awful thing to say, and it doesn't really fit in with the story, but, and that's not what I mean, but uh, they had to kind of scramble to work that out yeah. uh, halfway through, which is a terrible thing to happen anyway. Uh, but yes, it wasn't always Clint Eastwood. Spielberg was attached for a while. Oh, and, um, and he actually had a lot of impact on the way the script was going. Um, and Clint Eastwood, when he came on board, somewhat stepped that back a little bit. Uh, Jonah, let's play a game. Cam, I'm yep. sure you know this, so I'm not <laughs> asking you. Um, what would you say is the one bit of this script that was kind of that Spielberg would have emphasized more? Um, and ooh. the answer isn't an alien with a long finger. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think or the alien shark. didn't have enough to do in this film. No, he really didn't, did he? No. And that was actually, weirdly, people think that that's Spielberg, but that's actually a Clint Eastwood invention. Yeah, yeah. It? That's actually um, in the in the autobiography. I'm trying to think of what's the, the what's the Spiel... Uh, yeah, I assume the home life aspects possibly more. I don't know. Or the child, his childhood. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's weird. So, um, Spielberg... Wanted, so in the film, Chris Kyle has this sort of rival, I guess, the sniper, the enemy sniper. Mm. And Spielberg wanted to kind of explore both of their lives in tandem. So yeah. you would learn much more about the enemy sniper and kind of it would turn into a much more psychological battle between the two. And we would find out that actually, even though it was very easy to say, well, I'm, I'm doing it now, saying the enemy sniper, yeah. um, they're just people. They're the same. Right yeah. on both sides of this hideous war. Yeah. Uh, and um, Spielberg kept kind of pumping this section of the story up and the script got longer and longer and longer. And the studio just stopped saying, well, we're going to give you more money. They just said, we're not going to give you more money for this. And the story mm. was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And Spielberg said, I, look, I don't think I can make the film I want to make with this money. And so they, the stu- so he stepped away from the project and the studio got in touch with Clint Eastwood who is kind of a bit a bit more nuts and bolts filmmaker. I think, is that fair, Cam? Would you say he's a bit more kind of get in, let's tell this story yeah, again? Yeah, I think um, Clint Eastwood and, is certainly a lot more, and again, Steven Spielberg, much celebrated director, but Clint Eastwood has a reputation for being much more hands-on. And I think that's partly because he came in through as an actor and then became sort of in, in his later years a director. Um, so as you were saying, Alex, yeah, the, the script was... It was initially going to kind of focus on this binary opposition between Chris Kyle and and an opposite number in, embodied in an enemy sniper. Yeah, so Warner Brothers had acquired the rights to Chris Kyle's autobiography. Um, this was before he died, and then, as you were saying, he he was murdered on a gun range in Texas, and uh, obviously that complicated things a bit. And, and Spielberg wanted to focus on that binary opposition between him and an en- enemy sniper, but then it just became very very long and. Um, it, it was more than two and a half hours, I think, was the runtime. I mean, it's not a short film as is. No, no, it but isn't. It... No, but it was. It was. I think the thing is with with Clint Eastwood is that because he's come in from being 
a member of the talent and, and he's a very talented producer as well. He can nuance that story quite well visually. And I think mm. that with um, the cinematographer, Tom Purney did that incredibly well. Uh, fun fact for you all is that uh, this was the second film of Clint Eastwood's to be shot digitally after Jersey Boys, which is the film he did ah. before this. Ah, yeah. the second sniper. Cause I, I, this is something I found out cause that's, that's mostly fictionalized, even not included as much in this film but that is that is the most fictionalized version of this yeah and that's mostly spielberg's uh yeah invention the jack ryan series that came out on amazon recently yeah does that no spoilers in- for the second series i love jack ryan i fucking love we'll have to do a special on jack ryan anyway carry on but it, it it does that thing of trying to portray characters who are similar but on opposite sides of this conflict. So and it's a, you know, arguably that sounds like that's a really interesting story and that's a you know that's a quite an important story again to tell. But if it's not true, I don't know how much this film it's leans on itself being a true story in terms of how it was marketed. Weirdly, that that is a similar feeling I have with the Imitation Game and Kira Knightley's character. That's kind of a. a Am I right in saying an, an amalgamation of a couple of bits, a slightly yeah. fictionalized character? And you kind of think, well, there were lots of women working at Bletchley. So is it a bit strange that you're kind of inventing this character so we can have some, we'll have the woman be the person who kind of has the emotional connection to the guy? But And I think you're right in the same way. Well, this is a true story you're telling, so don't make stuff up. And yeah. actually, as it stands, having that sniper be involved i mean it's incredibly exciting on screen this kind of this rivalry that ramps up but at the same time in clint eastwood's version now he hasn't gone into as much detail in fact the whole project almost it's very focused on america and it's almost hard to tell whether the film is a indictment whether it's supporting america and saying america aren't we great that these people are willing to protect their own out there or is it a critique um yeah I don't know if it knows and, where it lands on that. And I, and I think, I feel like Spielberg and Clint Eastwood are probably opposed in political beliefs slightly. So maybe yeah. that kind of uncomfortable pull this film has of not knowing really where it stands comes from the changes Spielberg put into the script that then Clint Eastwood took out some of but left others. And the, the I've been saying the enemy, but <laughs> the that's how it feels in the film. It, they don't yeah. feel like people. It's very cut and dry and simple. And that war was anything but. I think um, that's the so, that's the element of the film that I really struggle with is that I because it does uh, if if anything it, if it's critical of anything it's critical of uh, the effect that war has on soldiers I think but so the film opens with it's kind of a pumping like kind of a base piece and yeah. then and then there's this, and then there's this call to prayer which it feels like the way the film is portraying that opening it feels like that should be a kind of threatening sound. But like, I've, you know, I've woken up to call to prayers. I've, you know, I've, I've stayed in, you know, in Muslim areas where that happens. So I don't, that doesn't, yeah. you know, yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't do that to me. And that sort of thing does sort of run through, doesn't it? It does kind yeah. of through the film, not the call to prayer, but the, that kind of uncomfortable feeling of you going, well, hang on, these are, I, I get it, but they're not the monsters you're necessarily showing them are. And no, like, but there are, I mean, there are, you know, oh, there yeah, are course, horrible yeah, hey. people who do horrible things. But then the same is yeah. true of, you could say that about Chris Kyle, you know, you, well, yeah. you could, Bradley yeah. Cooper is great in it. Oh, he's fantastic. Um, 
and and I what, a thing I tend to something that's similarly when we're talking about Benedict Cumberbatch, what I nearly said is a thing I have with him less so in the imitation game is you, I'm always aware that he's acting. I think yeah. he's acting very well, but I'm always aware that he's acting. Bradley Cooper is similar. You're kind of I'm always aware that he's Bradley Cooper because yeah. he's got this kind of these bright eyes and he's kind of this he's, clearly he's, this yeah annoyingly well, he is a sex symbol right yeah from, from, was um, he sexiest man in the world at one point i feel like he I'm was sure, several sure he times was on some I'm sure. yeah um but he disappears into this role he yeah. really does you do not think that you're watching bradley cooper he doesn't look like bradley cooper he's no much he's built himself up he but he looks weirdly like a normal guy and bradley cooper does not look like a no. normal guy he looks like a movie star and this and he doesn't in this film and i think that's that's the thing that most surprised me and you see that effect that all the killing has on mm. him and the service it is affecting him as the film progresses you can see yeah. his eyes change and deaden and again this is bradley cooper whose eyes are the thing you think about him you think about bradley cooper <laughs> he's got this incredible eyes and the fact that they are you right they get deader and deader and deader and to yeah. a certain extent because he's struggling with all of this stuff. But I, I do think that gets wrapped up all very quickly. It kind of yeah. feels a bit rushed by the end, maybe because they have to kind of do that. And also the other thing, the fact mm. that the horrible thing happened and he got murdered, which is terrible. And the yeah. film um, just, uh, portrays that in a slightly jarring way, but of course it's jarring. Kind of how you, there's, I assume, real world footage of his funeral. Mm. And that immediately undercuts any of the sort of possible level of that film which is maybe critiquing the military and, and critiquing the war in iraq i think but there are there are films that do that where they try whether it's it's trying to present war as a positive thing and then it goes ah but we're going to present the harrowing effect it has on these men and then you, but then part of the logic of that doesn't make sense to me because i'm like well if it's having this harrowing effect on people it's not a good thing but yeah i don't yeah, know that's yeah. my that's my political beliefs again, coming we, into yeah. it like we bring a lot of baggage and with yeah. this film more than the others because yeah r r racism is bad yeah right? we're on the same page yeah so you go to selma going yeah. racism is bad let's watch this film great oh what a great guy the martin luther king um and and similarly i'm really happy that this guy didn't die after two years i'm really happy he did all this thing and he found mm. kind of some happiness even yeah. though he was struggling with this, this, this disability similarly it's it's terrible we're on the same side of the film it's terrible that alan Turing was treated in the way that he was it's awful yeah. we're, we're all on that yeah but we are i think i don't want to speak for you guys but i think maybe more anti-war and kind of not anti the military but more suspicious of the military than the film is yeah and the film is very much on the other side of that thematically when you've got and and this is a film about america this is a film about american um you know being a uh, a patriot and and chris carr was was nothing short of that and yeah. um certainly for an american watching this film they might well see it as being proud of their country whilst we might look at it from our perspective and think this is a compelling story within the wider arc of a war you know was it justified was it something that was necessary and was Chris Carl having to go out there and kill 160 people necessary. You know, these are all questions that perhaps more informed individuals can can discuss and answer. Yeah. But I think for us, we have a certain perspective because of our 
persuasions and because of our beliefs. Uh, but certainly for an American, they might look at this and go, well, actually, I'm just proud, I'm just proud to be American. Yeah, being British people as well, you know, our attitude to our country is very different to America. We, yeah, yeah we're we're quite detrimental about our. We're quite you know, neurotic people. Yeah, I mean, we're neur- we, us three are quite we're neurotic. neurotic. Yeah. In general, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, 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 and it doesn't yeah. help that we're British. People, yeah. and we're quite, but jingoism isn't is something we're quite then suspicious of just naturally. I think that there's definitely an element of, I think that we lose not being American probably watching this film. Yeah, yes. and of course, if this was the BAFTA podcast, yeah. we that would wouldn't be <laughs> yeah. having this conversation, or, or, or we would be able to say, "Well, yeah, but yeah, we do have to." Uh, yeah, if anyone is interested in <laughs> not exactly brief encounter where we <laughs> watch yeah. all the BAFTA <laughs> films, then you know, get in touch. But uh, yeah, I, I did think it was That's interesting. Actually, one thing I want to talk talk to Jonah about. Sorry, mm-hmm. Cam. Um, the last lot of films we watched. And the film yeah. we declared the winner, and actually we, the Academy got it right that time, was yeah. Wings. And yes. Didn't this remind you, in a weird way, of it Wings? Did, yeah. It was such an interesting film, two films to watch close together. Yeah. Um, because they are very similar, and yet the world has changed. And filmmaking has changed, but also war <laughs> yeah. has changed but the bits especially the bits when he's training and he's doing press-ups in the mud and the guy is walking yeah. around him it's almost shot for shot the same <laughs> yeah it's as, <laughs> as the training sequences in in wings without a sequence where he boxes a guy who he hates because they like yeah. the same girl and then you know without that and there's but no it, dutch guy wiggling his arm yeah which i but think wing, would have made a better film wings um, is incredibly more jingoistic and it, the, it's it's a lot more rose tinted even though it's black and white of you know of war sepia tinted yeah which i suppose actually if it you know if we're looking at this as a a more war positive film it's interesting that it that that it tells you something about our attitude in the world in general to or specifically to this war is that even the more pro-war films are a little bit jaded although strangely um world war one was a lot more i suppose world war one and the war in iraq are kind of similarly not not exactly but world war one the whole thing is it's all these political people in general yeah doing stupid things with innocent people's lives on both sides right yeah and so and in iraq similarly it's it's some people would say some people would say it was an unjust war Mm. and so you've got that similar feeling but we didn't find i didn't find wings as troubling in that respect because you go well it's it was made in 1927 so of course it's a bit jingoistic and you yeah. just move past it in a way i didn't move past it so much in american sniper i liked american sniper a lot more than i'm making it sound like yeah, it. Yeah. It, was, it was a good watch i'm glad that i watched it yeah i think it's all of this stuff you have to kind of bear in mind isn't it and yeah. i just wanted to raise the sim i did notice how similar what do you think we've learned about the biopic yeah. um which of these work best uh the answer is selma yeah. Um, but uh, why why specifically because I think that w- the one thing that Selma does differently to all the others is focuses on a smaller amount of time yeah. so you can argue it's not a, a biopic because it's not the story of his entire life it is a story of a small amount of time it's interesting isn't it I think con- uh, compression of time is mm. absolutely because it's just easier what I think Selma does really well is that it doesn't look at a long period of time but the period of time we study is representative but also tells us a lot about all the other stuff yes. that we already know about the mo- the um, small scenes in it are scenes that could have probably taken place at lots of other points i think so it is like it is like a microcosm of his sure. life it's it's um it is essentially 
a vignette into Martin Luther King's mm. life. And I think, you know, I agree with both of you that a biopic, when it is focusing on a smaller amount of time and it has more time to kind of invest itself in the characters and the, and the one situation that they're in, it does that very, very well. Because in, in films, you can have one event and one consequence and one event leading up to it. Whilst with this, it was an issue-based film. So this, you know, civil rights was going on for hundreds of years. But I, yeah, certainly Selma does incredibly well. It sums up, you know, for want of a better phrase, it sums up the movement very, very well. And it encapsulates the struggle through the themes and through the writing and through the way that it's conveyed by the, by the characters and, and the actors um, yeah. incredibly well. And it does just get it right in the way that it's not giving you too much. It's not overwhelming you. It is giving you food for thought. It is showing you the the brutal and disgusting realities that, that these mm. people were facing and are still having to face. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, unlike the other three that we've talked about today, yeah, I, I think it is the best out of the four because it doesn't overwhelm you. It doesn't, yeah. It's not just trying to tell you too much at once. It is just telling you the straight facts about what was going on within a fictional kind of realm with real characters. When we were talking about the imitation game, where that possibly worked better than the theory of everything is, I, I again, I, I keep talking about the framing device used in that, and I think you, using something a lens in which to tell this story. So if in Selma, the lens to tell this entire story is we're, we're going to take a tiny cross section of this history and really focus in on that. Whereas a theory of everything, uh, the imitation game, rather, that the approach is to use this device of unravelling a mystery, of starting in one place and trying to get to the truth and use that to tell the story. And uh, all four of them tell the story of some sort of battle. Yeah. Um, obviously, conflict is where we get story from, so that's maybe not a massive surprise, but uh, you've got American Sniper, he's at war. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and but he's also uh, at war game. You know? well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But imitation game, he's also at war and he's also, yeah. of course, he's at war with himself. Characters are always at war with themselves. Yeah. So I'm kind of discounting that. But Selma, civil rights is a almost just as much a war as the war in a, you know, it's yeah. a battle as well. They're fighting for their freedom and their rights. Even though they're fighting nonviolently, it's still a fight, I would say. And um, the theory of everything, it's a battle with his disability and it's, he's yeah. fighting with his own body. And I think, uh, does that elevate? Uh, a, a person's life into something that you can make a film out of because it's a battle. I'm not saying that is the case. I'm just hypothesizing. Yeah. I'm not sure I agree with myself there, but I don't know. I think that's that's the one similarity I could find that mm. really worked for me. You know, Eddie Redmayne. Mm. How do we feel about him winning Best Actor? I think he. he it's a good. I mean, it should have been David. Oh yeah, yeah. It should. Yeah. So we. You know. I think. But there's a different question whether his performance was worthy of. I think it's a good. I think it's definitely an amazing performance. Yeah, totally. Um, it's a very. It's a subtle performance, and I think I don't know. I think it's a, It's not as compelling as as I would have possibly wanted. But obviously, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what 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 am I asking of this man to do? <laughs> he's he's acting his heart out with his eyes and a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I I think comparing it to the I think in in the year that it was in, I don't think possibly it was it should have, mm. but I think it was definitely a word. It doesn't make it, you go, it, "What? They gave it to that?" 
No, yeah. I think it's it, it makes sense to me. I think it's a good performance. What do you what do you think, Cam? I think it's important to point out that yes, Eddie Redmayne's performance was was very compelling, and and from mm. the reading that I have done now, um, he he did research um, how motor neuron disease affects people, and I think that he represented the 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 stages of of the condition quite well. Yeah, um, but it does bring up the point of an able bodied actor playing a disabled role and the mm. representation of disabled people within um within film culture why you know wider film culture but also in tv tv they are sort of they're pushing for it more um but mm. you know there's still a lot more work to do and i think it's also important to point out the reasoning behind why they would cast eddie redmayne and and you know Typically speaking, you would say, oh, because it's Eddie Redmayne, he's well known. And, and you'd be right. You know, he is mm. being cast because he's Eddie Redmayne. He is being cast because he looks slightly like Stephen Hawking. Yeah. But also because, unfortunately, and this is something that in film culture we probably don't talk about enough, is films with realistic kind of performances by real people um, don't do as well as as ones with, with big names. And I think that that, yeah. is, that is another reality of 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 films especially at oscar level um that you yeah. can have issue-based films that you know such as disability and and lgbt rights where you can have somebody who isn't necessarily part of that minority playing that minority um which in a way is appropriating that minority for their own gain this is a whole other debate yeah well i think the debate as well point. is if you have to make a deal with the devil i suppose in a sense of kind of misrepresenting people in order to get something seen by the general public it wouldn't normally get seen if people have watched this film and come away with a better understanding of people they might know and their you know their day-to-day struggle is it a good thing then i don't know we i don't think yeah. we can um, to conclude yeah <laughs> i think yeah it's i mean that none of them are bad 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 no no um they, they're great films they, i think with some of the other ones some of the other ones the next four are so bold yes that i think these kind of feel like less bold films just because they're kind of not doing such yeah. interesting things with the form but that doesn't mean they're less good or less valuable and i do think some was fantastic i think david yeah. Ayerway should have won should have been nominated blah 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 blah, blah. yeah I, I i'm i'm excited to look at the next ones now we've done this conversation yes. um and yeah, so check in with us uh, for the next next part of this year. Yes. Um, we also, we should say, we are now, like you can find us on Spotify yeah. and Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> and um, we're working on Google Podcasts. It's having a bit of trouble. And we're also, maybe we'll add ourselves on Amazon. Who knows? We might not. Um, <laughs> other things, A Acast have us that's our hosting platform so you can find us on there you should be able to find us on your other podcast feeds if you pop in the rss feed who knows let yeah. us know if there's a platform you really want us on and we'll 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 try and make it happen you can yeah. also find us on twitter at uh not exactly kane yeah yeah and on instagram at not exactly citizen kane um and you know hit us up jonah and i uh, and you can also find Cameron. Uh, where would people find you if they want to follow you on social media? Do you have anything to plug? They, so at the moment, they can find me at camreadfilm.co.uk. That's where all of my film kind of TV work mm. is, is based. But you can also search for me on Instagram at uh, cam underscore underscore read. 
or you can go and follow my work account cam read film uh and yeah that's that's one of the several hundred thousand instagram accounts <laughs> i seem to have at the he moment. has so many instagram accounts yeah <laughs> you never too know many, which one to look too at many, too many to speak <laughs> yeah. of um, yeah jonah any closing thoughts no i think i think we, we've tackled this the first half of the year head on um i did re- i enjoyed watching all of these films i think it's it's hard when you're comparing them because you've got a you've got you know you yeah. you can't you can't just enjoy them as a as, you know, as a viewing experience. But yeah, uh, I enjoyed three of them. Yes, <laughs> and dislikes the theory of everything. Quite but I'm very much I'm very excited to talk about the next oh, load that we're going to talk about, too. which is the more adventurous side of this year. <laughs> I think very much so. Um, yes. Well, thank you, Cam, for bringing us such a cool year. Yeah, and well, thank you very, very much. Very good for choice. Uh, yeah, Chuck's away. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not right. Bon voyage. Um, keep being lovely. Yeah. <laughs>